Wait City Church, it's good to see you guys on this Independence Day weekend. I'm glad you're here. Um, before I get started with my message, I'm, I'm just going to sort of acknowledge something. I've been sick for about the last two or three weeks, and so my voice sounds real cool right now, but I may cough and stuff, but don't let that distract you, because what I need to talk to you about is too important, all right? And so I want to start tonight by asking a question. <clears throat> Would you like to have God strongly support you? Now, you may be new to church and maybe you're still not sure what you think about God, whether you even think there is a God, and that's okay. I want you to know you're welcome here to explore our faith. But if there there is a God, would you like to have a strong support? So, like, if you picture God's support as like a spectrum, you know, like, we're over here, it's God's against you. Somewhere over here, he's neither for you nor against you. Somewhere over here, he's sort of for you. And somewhere over here, he's strongly supporting you. What kind of support would you like to have? Now, it's, it's not a trick question, right? I mean, I think we would all want to have his strong support in our lives, And the aspect of Revive that we will look at today, it positions us to have God's strong support. Now, in this series, we're exploring what the scriptures say about how God revives people. Because we all go through seasons in our lives where we need reviving. We can go into seasons where we end up feeling apathetic, stagnant, distant, and maybe even sometimes depressed. And sometimes we just, we get into a negative rut and we find ourselves in need of reviving. And here's the great news. God wants to revive us and he wants to revive, you know, our connection with him. He wants to revive our relationships. He wants to revive our vision for life. And so for the past few weeks, I've shared with you about a season that I, you know, came into when I needed to be revived. It was in a season where I wasn't hearing anything from God and I took the day and spent it fasting and praying and that night I was awakened in my dream because I I saw a word and the word was spelled out with light bulbs like a Broadway theater sign and it is the word revive. The next morning I came across that same word in my scripture reading from Isaiah 127 which says Jerusalem (laughs) will be restored by justice. The repentant will be revived by righteousness. And it's like when I read that verse, I knew God was saying something to me about being revived. (laughs) And so for the past few weeks, we've explored what the scriptures say about how God revives people. And we've seen that God revives us when we turn from our sin the sin that smothers our lives and makes our lives less than they could be. And we've seen that God revives people <clears throat> when we seek his face through, med- uh, through meditation and through brutally honest prayers. And today on this last week of the series, we will unpack a final principle that positions us to have God's strong support. And when God strongly supports us, that is what revives us. And so I want us to look at one more Old Testament passage that reveals how God revives his people. And so let me set it up. There was this certain prophet named Hanani, 
and he came to speak to one of the kings of Israel named Asa. Now, Asa had obeyed the Lord in many areas in his life, but he had a few areas where he was not obeying the Lord. And so Hanani came to King Asa, and he spoke this powerful promise. This is from 2 Chronicles 16, 9. <clears throat> and it says, For the eyes of the Lord move back and forth throughout the whole earth that he might strongly support those whose hearts are completely his. Can you read that with me out loud? <laughs> Let's read it together. For the eyes of the Lord move back and forth throughout the whole earth that he might strongly support those whose hearts are completely his. So I'd like to make a few observations about this promise. First of all, revive occurs when God strongly supports you. The revived life is not about the absence of challenges or problems or painful experience or conflict. The, re the revived life is about facing those challenges, those conflicts, even those painful experiences, knowing that God is with you. Can you imagine what your life would be like if you knew that God was using all of his power to help you in any and every circumstance? I mean, you could face any challenge. You could face any temptation. You could deal with any challenging relationship. When God strongly supports you, you experience a revived life. And a revived life is a better life. Second observation. God wants to strongly support you. Too many people picture God as like this cranky old God who's just waiting around for us to get out of line so he can smack us. You know what I'm saying? And some of you may have even grown up in religious settings that were hyper-legalistic where people use shame as a weapon to browbeat people into good behavior. You know what I'm talking about? And that kind of experience left you with a distorted view of God. But the scriptures, the scriptures reveal a God who wants to strongly support you. He wants to bless you. He wants to heal you. He wants to help you. But there is something God does ask for so that he will give us his strong support. And that is God strongly supports you when your heart is completely his. You see, God wants our hearts. <coughs> and he wants our hearts completely and I found over the years, I've been a pastor now for 30 years, I find that most people come to church because we have some interest in giving our hearts to God, right? Whatever that means, you know, our desires and our, our decisions. We have a desire to give our hearts to God, but I do think I've noticed that most of us struggle to give our heart completely to God. And that's what this specific verse is addressing. Because when we give our hearts completely to God, it means we completely trust God no matter where he leads us. And it means we completely obey him no matter what he asks. And when our hearts are not completely God's, his support is not completely ours. And that posture prevents us from experiencing revive. <clears throat> now this, this aspect of revive, it's all about 
the closets in our lives. Now, I found that there are different kinds of closets and different kinds of closet people. So, like, if, if you went to my house and you looked in my closet, this is what you would see. You would see that my jeans are all hung in order of preference, very neatly, then my khakis, then my slacks. And you would see that my shirts are hung in order of color and collar and preference, right? And then I have my socks in these little cubbyhole things, and they're, they're done in order of color and, and dress style, like from my workout booties all the way down to my dark black dr uh, dress bamboo socks, right? I mean, it's awesome. I, I have issues, okay? I just have issues. Can I say that? But like, when my kids were teenagers, I mean, their closets didn't look nothing like them. Any, any of you have teenagers? I mean, like when my kids were teenagers, it looked like somebody pitched a grenade in Urban Outfitter or something. It was disgusting. Okay, my point is, <laughs> there are different kinds of closets and different kinds of closet people, but closets are places where we stack stuff, hang stuff, store stuff. <clears throat> but sometimes closets are places where we try to hide stuff. And it's the stuff we try to hide that I want to talk with you about today. When I prepared this series, uh, I interviewed one of my spiritual mentors named Sammy Tippett. I like talking to Sammy about stuff like this because he didn't grow up in, in the church, didn't grow up with any religious background. So he, he remembers what it feels like to not like, have God's support in his life. So I first met Sammy when he was a pastor here in San Antonio and I was attending UTSA. He was my pastor. He eventually left the pastorate and spent the next 30 years speaking about Jesus Christ in some of the most challenging places on earth, places like communist Eastern Europe, Rwanda, the Sudan, Egypt, Pakistan, and India. And he has personally witnessed people who experienced this revive that I'm talking about. And so I told him that I was going to be speaking to you guys about Revive. And I said, hey, what do you think is a key to experiencing Revive? Because you've seen it so often in your ministry around the world. And this is what he said, and this is a quote from him. He said, it's important that we seek God with humility. God revives people who humble themselves. When we humble ourselves, we admit we need God's help. But when we seek him, we must give him access to every area of our lives. Your heart is like a house, and you let God into your house through faith. But sometimes we have things in the closets we don't want God to see. You've got to open the closets and allow God access to them. Let God search your heart and clean out the closets. When he cleanses you, that revives you. You know, I'm so grateful to have people like Sammy who've spoken into my life and taught me important uh, aspects about my beliefs and my practices. And his words remind me that we can all struggle with hiding stuff in closets. And we struggle with hiding stuff in closets because of the buts in our lives. Let me explain what I mean by that. Last year, as part of my scripture reading, I read through the Old Testament books of Kings and Chronicles. And in those books, it details the various uh, reigns of the, the kings of Israel. And it recounts their struggles to give their hearts completely to God. And so whenever, 
whenever the authors would assess like how well they did, they normally put the kings into one of three categories. Either the kings did completely evil things and they completely disobeyed the Lord. That was one group. Then there was a smaller group who completely obeyed the Lord in every way. But then there was this really large group of people who pretty much obeyed the Lord, but they had certain aspects in their lives and reigns that were not completely turned over to the Lord. They had buts in their relationship. They had closets. And they had areas in their reigns where they did not give their hearts completely to the Lord. And here's the deal. They hurt themselves by not doing that. Whatever they hid in their closets hurt them more than anything else. Because of their closets, God did not strongly support them. When our hearts are not completely God's, his support is not completely ours. So it makes you think, what, what kind of desires were so strong that those kings who knew this principle still did not give their hearts completely to God? Over and over and over again, if you read their stories, the kings of Israel struggled with two gods. The gods of Baal and Asherah, which are the gods of sex and money. Sex and money. It's like in these areas, they wanted to keep control. So they believed God and served God you know, in a certain kind of way, but they kept certain parts of their lives hidden and out from under his control. They had butts. They had closets where they tried to serve God in one area of their life, but they tried to hide stuff from him in other areas. And folks, when our hearts are not completely God's, his support is not completely ours. And you know what I found? I found that what many of the Israelite kings struggled with back then is what we struggle with today. So what is the but that keeps you from giving your heart completely to God? <clears throat> Maybe your but is a struggle with sex. You're in a relationship that you know is not right, and God is convicting you to get it right. Or maybe, <clears throat> maybe you go to strip clubs, or you watch porn, or you watch shows on cable that you know aren't right, and you think, oh, I know God wants me to open up this closet and clean it out, but I'm asking you to obey God completely, to be completely devoted to him. If you will give your heart completely to God, he will give his support completely to you. And that will revive your life. He will help you in the pursuit of sexual purity. Maybe your butt is a struggle with money. You buy what you don't need with money you don't have and you end up in mega debt. <coughs> or you neglect <coughs> giving to God's work through the church. Or you neglect the poor among us. And you think, you know, I know God wants me to trust him with my money, but... I'm asking you to obey God completely in the area of your money. And when you give your tithe today, let it express faith. Let it express complete devotion to God and his purposes. If you give your heart completely to God in this area, 
he will give you his strong support. He will revive your life. Maybe your but is a person God wants you to forgive, and you say, yeah, but I'm asking you to forgive. Maybe your but is a risk God wants you to take, and you're thinking, yeah, but take that risk. Maybe your but is a decision God wants you to make, and you're thinking, yeah, but make that decision. I'm asking you to give your heart completely to God. If you do that, God promises to strongly support you. And when God strongly supports you, you experience a revived life. And a revived life is a better life. Now in just a moment, we're going to take communion together. And communion reminds us of God's strong support for us. I mean, think about it. He gave his son on our behalf to die on the cross so that our hearts could be clean and be completely devoted to him. Now, if you're new to church or maybe you're not sure about communion and stuff and you're not comfortable to take communion, that's okay. You're still welcome just to sort of watch us (coughs) take communion together. But for those of us who will be taking communion, communion reminds us of Jesus Christ. The broken pieces of bread reminds us of his broken body. The juice reminds us of his shed blood. And so in a moment, I'm going to invite you to come forward and you'll take a piece of bread, dip it in the juice, and go ahead and eat it. And when you do that, would you renew your commitment to give your heart completely to God, just like Jesus gave his heart completely to God, his Father? Would you do that? Let's pray together. Lord God, before we take these communion elements, (coughs) I ask you to search our hearts. And if there's any area that's remained hidden, (coughs) if there's any area where we have not opened up our lives to you and allowed you to come in, then my prayer is that today we would do that. (coughs) And so, even as I'm praying this prayer, if you know there's an area in your life where there's a closet and you know God wants you to open that door and let him in, I'm asking you to name it name your closet if it's money name it if it's sex name it if it's bitterness resentment name it whatever he's convicting you about if he's showing you that name it and give it up to him maybe it's an addiction you're struggling with let it go ask God to come in and give you his strong support Lord God, we love you. It is so wonderful to know that you really do want to strongly support us. What an awesome, awesome reality. And my prayer, Lord, is that as we surrender our hearts and our lives to you, that you would strongly support us. We love you and we bless you today. In Jesus' name, amen.